0: And we're up to Double Figures, Episode 10.
1: Who would have thought?
0: <laughs> of the Awkward In-Between podcast, it is a podcast where two middle-aged white guys explore what it's like being two middle-aged white guys in a world where nothing seems very certain or <laughs> concrete as much as it probably used to when we were growing up and being fed a whole bunch of ideas of how great it was to be a middle-aged white guy who just rules the world.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And hasn't it been an interesting journey? We're just talking off air about how, in some ways, our uh, interview list so far has been fairly narrow, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, lots of middle-aged white people uh, not only but uh, you know in that niche and, uh, and, and most, if not everyone, with some level of kind of Christian um, conservative Christian upbringing. Mm. Uh, and yet it's been such a such diverse conversations, especially this last couple of weeks chatting to some of your friends. we've gone a diversified out of uh, Dave's address book and uh, and just some very interesting conversations about how others have navigated that journey.
0: Yeah, it's been really cool. Um, you know and and those people too while we're narrowing it down like they're generally middle class too. Like we haven't yeah, true. met anyone that's been of extreme wealth or extreme poverty or whatever. So it's been such a narrow group of society in you know, in, in the big scheme of things, mm. and even within that, such a, a diverse uh, number of experiences. And we've obviously started touching on, on a few other themes as well, but for this first season, the theme very much has been um, that awkwardness of, you know, the awkward in-betweens that you find yourself just wrestling with the various interpretations and understandings of the word Christianity. Um, yeah, absolutely. A, a good way to put it, which kind of brings us to tonight's guest. Yes we we're going like we've had i guess most like you and i i uh, would probably happily identify ourselves as more left of center i guess of what the the general understanding of what it means to be a christian like if you had the you know of the the spectrum of complete fundamentalist to complete whatever the you – know atheist Ultra, on the other end yeah, yeah 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 um, we're probably more in the left of centre, and most of our guests, I would imagine, have probably been around that kind of space. But tonight, I think we're actually going to move more to the right.
1: Which yeah, I absolutely.
0: Think I'm looking forward to, because I remember in, what was it, episode three or four, we were talking to Leanne Hutton, and she was kind of talking about you know the people that annoy her most were probably conservative Christians. And, and that has been a theme that I think you and I have probably echoed in some ways, mm. um, if not explicitly, uh, definitely, you know, I- implicitly. And so I think it's going to be a great, healthy discussion tonight to be able to engage with somebody who is probably still very much, um, at least belief-wise, on the the more right.
1: Yeah, and so, I, absolutely. And, and isn't that what we're all about is trying to not work out how to agree with each other, mm. but how to love each other even when we don't agree. Exactly. And so in some ways, maybe tonight's chat with Matt will be uh, more in that spot than, than any of the conversations we've had. There'll probably be plenty of things that if we wanted to get into beliefs, we would disagree about. Uh, but what we're really interested in is, is talking about uh, how we navigate Mm. those disagreements, and how do we navigate that in the world? How do we still love and show grace towards people uh, when we're not on the same page? Yep, definitely. Before we get into that, though, let's get into the other important thing we've got to get through in our podcast, which is so of course, we are really on the same page. Yeah, like, yes, we've both bought one beer, so like right. one <laughs> one can of one beer each. I've
0: got to tell a story because I've okay. messaged,
1: I messaged you earlier this afternoon
0: and said, "I, oh, you know, have you got beer? or Do I need to pick anything up?" And you, you know, kindly wrote back and said, oh, "I've got beer, so it's kind of up to you," which I interpreted as. You better bring some extra beer, man. Feel free (laughs) to bring some beer. So I did, and I went out, and as you say, we both brought one can each, and each of us has brought a white stout.
1: Which is not the most common style of beer kicking around. So we really are on the same wavelength there tonight.
0: We've both gone local. Um, I've gone for Zitho Brewing and got myself, you know, or got us to share a, yep, it is just called Zitho Brewing White Stout. It's a limited edition, 5.2%. And
1: And when that one's gone, uh, the White Stout that I've brought is a delicious uh, Helios beer. They're literally like a five-minute drive from where I live and have become my local. These guys make great beer. And theirs is called White Kronos. It was their Gabs beer. Gabs Mm. is like Australia's uh, biggest and one of the best uh beer festivals and uh they have a whole heap of breweries make unique beers for the festival and this is what was their gab's beer for this year so it's it's a limited edition white stout
0: excellent i'm looking forward to drinking these beers and having a chat with our guest pastor matt prater who we're going to get on now so joining us we have got pastor matt prater from is it history makers church is that actually the name of the church that you do as well
2: it's it's a uh, New Hope Church Brisbane. That's right,
0: New Hope Church Brisbane. I'm I'm going to be right up front, Matt, because we're going to dive in. One of the things we were talking about um, just before we, we we launched into this was how we've had this um, journey so far in our first season of the podcast. where We've kind of spoken to a lot of people that have either still within you know the broader um, banner of Christianity or have come from that kind of. Christian background and then moved on to either atheism or more of a a mysticism, that kind of a thing. Um, From my understanding, then you you would still see yourself very much heavily camped within, uh, I guess, the more conservative evangelical Christianity. What I wanted to put out on the table straight away is that I know within myself there is a natural inclination to when talking with some of my more conservative Christian friends to suddenly want to try and persuade um, either your way of thinking into my way of thinking or vice versa, be on guard that you're trying to convert me into your way of thinking. And I wanted to put that on the table straight away as one of the awkward tensions that I often find. And I don't experience that with any other group of people, but it seems to be something that for me, because of my own background and upbringing, um, becomes a thing when dealing, you know. Is that something that you are consciously aware of yourself? Like, do you enter into conversations thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, I need to change this person's way of thinking or I need to be wary of this person trying to change my way of thinking? Like, how, how do you in pro- approach dealing with people of, of different persuasions?
2: Yeah, well, mate, I uh, work in radio and I'm a pastor. So I'm always asking questions, I, I'm always fascinated by what people believe. And what part of the journey they're on, and you know we've got to acknowledge that we're all on a journey. You know, we're all asking questions, we're all searching, we're all looking for truth. Um, and I think it's totally okay to have a discussion with people um, who are at odds with each other on on different, you know, theological, doc- doctrinal beliefs, philosophical beliefs, and to still love each other, to still be friends, mm. to still catch up, and and not you know, um, you know, divide each other and. You know, let not let what what we disagree on come between us. Mm. We, can, we can still still be friends and just agree to disagree. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I and obviously, you know, Matt, that this has kind of come about because I uh, we're still fr- you know we're friends on Facebook, uh, and uh, I think you shared something from a Christian radio station uh, a little while back, which uh, got under my collar just a little bit, and uh, I made the terrible mistake, this is on Facebook of all places, of choosing to engage with that, and uh, it dragged into, or allowed myself to be dragged into a, a conversation with some people I didn't know at all, um, but clearly fairly conservative Christian friends of yours, and uh, and look, it, it was a, a reasonable enough conversation. I have a tendency to take way too long to even formulate answers in those situations because I want to try not to be attacking the person. I want to maybe, you know, if we're talking about an issue, I'll at least try to attack the issue and not the person. Although even in that situation, um, there was a little bit of of not aggro, but heading in that direction with one of the gentlemen who was responding to me because some of the w- things I had said had come across a certain way. I hadn't been careful enough, and I, I said to him, look, I'm sorry, I can see how that came across that way. That wasn't my intention, and and we managed to have a reasonable conversation. Um, but it can be really hard, and, and that's, you know, we were saying as we introed the the podcast, uh, for us, the awkward in between is less about trying to, you know, come to a place where everybody agrees on issues and far more about exactly what you're saying is like, how can we live in the world and uh, converse, you know, live with people we don't agree with on things that may actually be really important to us uh, and still manage to do that in a way that is loving. And I think it's, it's hard. Like it takes a lot of hard work. And I think modern society, social media, especially uh, is set up in a way to, make it much easier to go in the other direction and end up um, in a in a battle against a person, making them the enemy rather than just dealing, talking about issues.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, you guys have both been in leadership a lot over the years. You've worked in Christian radio stations, running Easter Fest, you know. You've done all these different things over the years and you know in any organisation you're going to have people that are pretty similar to what you believe and then you're going to have people that have a very different view to you. And, you know, I, I just think we need to, um, make sure that we're, we're in a place where um, we're respectful of mm. uh, of people's uh, you know beliefs on, on certain issues, um, and I also think it's healthy to actually put them on the table and talk about them, mm. Uh, mm. rather than just sweep it under the rug and go, oh yeah, it'll sort yeah, itself right. out. I think mm. it's actually healthy to talk about it.
1: Yeah, because that's the, the the next temptation, right, is to go, okay, we found this thing we don't agree with, we don't want to argue, let's just not talk about that. You know, and, and I said to you when we caught up, you know, after that and then led to us going, hey, why don't you come on the podcast? Um, personally, I, I could talk about these things for, for, you know, I love a good debate on an issue, uh, but I hate it when it ends up becoming a battle between two people when it can't be had in a gracious way. So, yeah, and no, I, th- I think you're right. How do we do that? Like what are the keys to, what do you think the keys are to having conversations about things we disagree with rather than sweeping them under the table, but doing it well.
2: Yeah, well, I think one of the keys is uh, trying to understand the different point of view where people are coming from. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, um, at being a conservative Christian, being a, a Pentecostal pastor, working in a conservative Christian radio station, you know, I've got – it's a little bit like, you know, ScoMo used to call it the Canberra bubble mm. uh, in, in Canberra. That you'd, mm. you'd be in that bubble where it was all the political – uh, speak, and, and you know, it, it can be like that. You can be in your Christian bubble where you you've just got the same people that think the same as you around you all the time. You know, mm. so I don't mind uh, listening to people who uh, are quite different in their theological beliefs than me, so that I can learn. About, oh, this is you know, this is what they believe. Oh, this is oh, this is how they interpret that scripture. Oh, that's that's where that worldview comes from, um, because you know, we can't always assume that. You know the Australian or the American version of Christianity that we follow is the only version. Yeah, um, there, yeah, there yeah. are lots of lots of people that call themselves Christians around the world. I mean, the the Chinese underground house church believers, I'm sure, have a very different uh, view of the scriptures than than we do here in Australia, for example. Mm. Uh, and uh, and I think it's important to learn uh, what people who call themselves followers of Jesus, uh, you know, what, what their culture is like. What their influences are, uh, and I, I don't want to just be a closed-minded Christian that's like oh, I've, I'm right and everyone else is wrong. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, that's why I love a good discussion like you, Shanky, and occasionally I'll argue on Facebook, but I just don't know whether it's worth it to Yeah, no, no, I'm almost certain
1: it's not, and yet it still manages to suck me in once in a
2: while. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm gonna- I can't help it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I-, I think, now, when you reached out to me, Matt, after that, and we got together, hadn't seen each other for a little while. I think we bumped into each other maybe once last year at something, but it uh, hadn't really caught up. And uh, I was so appreciated that when you did, you went out of your way, and I guess in the context of the fact that I'd been in this bit argy bargy kind of, you know, I don't agree with you conversation, you you went out of your way to contact me privately and say, man, I'd love to catch up again and and chat and hear where you're at, and I know you're doing the podcast and that's really interesting, and I'm not interested in trying to change your mind or you know like you know you made a point of that to say just want to hang out, just want to catch up and. Uh, I just really appreciated that. I thought that set the scene for us to be able to catch up without starting in that place that you were talking about, mm-hmm. Damo. Yeah.
0: Cause I think you, you raised something really interesting just before in what you were saying about that whole idea of being in a you know, in it like the Christian bubble. And I think Shanky and I were talking about this just prior, um off air, because we've both experienced that. We have that idea of, you know, well, this is what I think and everybody around me is reinforcing that this is what we think and this is what we talk about and this is how we understand the world. And you just have that assumption that everybody either thinks that way and that's just how everybody sees the world or you have this other you know, perception that people outside of that are therefore against you because they have some opposing particular view. And we were both, you know, I mean, for myself personally, I've kind of once getting out in embracing um, and experiencing more of the broader community and and well outside of the sphere of people that would call themselves Christian, but just suddenly realizing there are people out here that think things that are completely different than the world, and yet at the same time are people that are still driven to for things like love and justice and peace and harmony and all that kind of stuff. That I go, well, that's for me, that's the essence of what what God, whatever that term means. Is about um, and going. Wow! In my Christian bubble, I would have seen everybody outside of this as being somehow um, demonic or dangerous or whatever. And then you get out there and go, actually, mm. there's something in, in my experience, like something bigger, uh, a bigger sense of the you know the, the spirit of God, to use that kind of term, moving in ways that, in a very narrow Christian bubble, I was closed off to.
2: And you know, for me, Damo, um, my journey as a pastor has also opened my eyes a lot to what's going on in in the world you know my church is in the inner city of brisbane uh we're next to the Normanby hotel you know and uh it's a it's a pretty rough part of of brisbane there's about 35 homeless shelters all around our church within 10 minutes reach and you know i was pastoring a nice middle class comfortable happy clappy pentecostal church <laughs> you know and then i had this old italian guy in my church said we need to start a soup kitchen for the homeless I said, oh, look, I'm really busy. Like, you know, I've got to preach and, you know, I've got to look after people. And, you know, and I was just, I just knew it would just take up a lot of my time. And I was, you know, going through a stage where I just couldn't take on anything else. And he said, look, I really think this is the kind of thing Jesus would do. He would care for the poor and we're not doing it enough. And it really challenged me. So we started doing the soup kitchen for the homeless. And we've now had, you know, thousands of people come through our soup kitchen. Um, we, we, we're we working with drug rehabs now, we're um, helping, you know, running little outreaches in these uh, homeless shelters all around the inner city of Brisbane, and a lot of these people from the homeless shelters are now starting coming to come into the church, and it's really messed the place up in a good way. Yeah. Um, because we're not just our own little holy huddle, you know, just uh, in our Christian bubble, you know, just talking Christianese, li- living our own nice little little Christian lives are actually getting out on the street and caring for the last, the least, and the lost. And for me, that's really changed uh, changed my worldview because as a pastor, I'm actually more of an evangelist, uh, secretly disguised as a pastor. <laughs> um, so, so I love being around unchurched people. I love being around people uh, out on the streets. Um, and I actually reckon, to be honest, if Jesus was around in 2022, he'd probably be out there hanging out with, people you know the lepers the tax collectors the prostitutes you know he, he was well known for looking after for reaching out to that crowd more than the the well-to-do crowd um so i'm you know I, I've, I've been on that journey myself to try and make sure i'm not just stuck in this christian bubble but i'm out there trying to do the stuff that i believe jesus would be doing
1: yeah and, and the echo chamber thing i, th- I think conservative Christian spaces do that pretty well uh, a lot of the time, <laughs> but it's it's certainly not unique, right, to to Christianity. Like, you know, I find myself kind of going, okay, I've shifted on a bunch of beliefs and, and, and whatever if, to where I might have been once before, and, and you've actually got to work quite hard even there um, at not just creating a new echo chamber, you know, where I'm not just surrounding myself. Every podcast I listen to, every person I hang out with is somebody who now is still telling me, that what I think now is true, uh, I think it takes real work. You you told me a story when we caught up, Matt, um, about uh, that time when you pretty much became the uh, poster boy of conservative Christian politics in Australia for a moment, your moment of fame. But I was really – I found it a really powerful story when you went on to share what certainly I was not aware of and and maybe many other people wouldn't be aware of how that story then went on to play out for you after, after the fact.
0: So should we put context in that? So we're talking. I'm I'm assuming this is the the infamous 2007 Kevin 07, <laughs> Kevin Rudd is running for prime minister, and there was a episode of Q and A I believe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And there was a particular conservative evangelical pastor who got <laughs> up at the time and asked a question of of you know the the future prime minister Kevin Rudd about gay marriage, which of course was yourself. <laughs> That, I would imagine, was quite, uh, yeah. T- t- tell us what that experience was like and the aftermath.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I was invited onto Q&A just as an audience member and then they emailed me and said, would you like to ask a question? And he had basically been voted in as the Prime Minister because of his Christian stance, I believe. Um, you know, he courted the Christian vote and I'd actually interviewed him for History Makers Radio, my podcast, and he'd shared his favourite Bible verse and. You know, and then the Christian lobby had promoted him. at, you know, there's big things, and and I think a lot of Christians went, "Oh, he's he's a good Christian Labour guy. Let's vote for him." You know. Um, anyway, so he, he was pretty popular. He was doing well, but then he changed his view about same-sex marriage, and this was when it was a really hot topic back then. You know, and uh, I just said to him, "Look, I'm just curious. You know, if you're a, if you're a Christian." Uh, wouldn't you believe what Jesus said about marriage? You know, Jesus said a man shall leave his mother and father and the two become one flesh. If that's what Jesus said, marriage is, why don't you believe that, you know? And then he basically just lectured me and <laughs> and challenged me and told me if you believe the Bible, then you believe slavery is a natural condition, and he quoted all this stuff to me. And I was totally shocked. And like, there's 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 memes still floating around on the internet of me. Looking like this with like with my mouth open like uh like I was so like a deer in the headlights and you know me guys I'm a pretty confident guy but I was so nervous mm. and I was so mm. gobsmacked and so I just didn't know what to say and uh and and that clip went viral on YouTube it's had three and a half million views on YouTube wow. on Kevin Rudd's YouTube channel um and for me it was uh, a, a real defining moment because sure I wanted to stand up for my conservative Biblical values, but I also then got attacked a lot. Mm. I got I got called a homophobe and a bigot, and and you know this love for all crowd just said all these horrible things to me on the internet, and you know threatened my children, and you know mm. death threats, like scary stuff. And mm. I, I was like totally unprepared for it. Um, but in the midst of that, I thought, you know what, I don't want to be labelled as the guy. That hates gays, mm. or the guy that's anti-gay, or that's mm, a homo mm. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want that label. You know, so I was, I was telling Shanky that um, I really uh, intentionally started to connect with any homosexuals I could to have a conversation with them, to love, love them, care for them, and, and particularly in our soup kitchen and in the homeless shelters. There's actually a lot of uh, people, um, you know, with uh, you know a lot of homosexuals and people struggling with their sexual identity in those areas and and you know I, I would always go out of my way to love them and and because i didn't want to be known as that guy that 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 you know gay hating christian guy that was on q and a you know um i i didn't change my beliefs about it but it actually made me think you know what you know cuz as like i said as an evangelist i want to reach out to people and share with them the love of jesus more than anything mm. and you know if if they need to go on a journey with with what God does in their sexuality, that's between them and god and and I'm happy to talk about it if they want. but I, 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 that's actually not a big issue for me to argue with people about it. i I just want to point them point people to Jesus no matter where they're at in their sexual journey, you know what I mean? Mm. um so yeah, for me it was a it was a massive learning curve for me that big season. yeah
0: yeah, and I'm kind of interested now because I mean, I think it's, you know, and, and just to be full cards on the table, I, I would imagine that in this group of three, um, two of us are probably far more embracing of, say, a gay marriage and homosexuality than what one of us may be at the table based on what you've just said. <laughs> but having said that, I think there's another a, a deeper level in which what you've said before you know, of who you are like you're somebody that's wanting to communicate um, love you're wanting to communicate respect and you want to you know and I guess one of the frustrating things um, for me as a human is that sense that there there's you know th- there is a, a a division that's being created in society um, whether or not that's done intentionally with some sort of you know agenda attached to it, or whether or not that's just the the natural nature of the beast that that forces of different opinions eventually start getting you know malicious towards each other. Um, but as you say, I mean, there's those words, you know, homophobe, bigot, and whatever, for somebody that may not have the same you know may have, hold it, you know the viewpoint that you're holding, and yet. You yourself, as you mentioned, before, you, you know, you're a human being that's just wanting to experience love. You know, um, you, you might label that as I want to experience the love of God. I want to communicate the love of God. But you're somebody who's obviously driven by that love and that respect. Um, and I think it's it, like, what, what's that like for you? I guess in today's culture, like, how does that create for you like an awkward sense of of being in the world when you can see that there are other people out there that have that view? If you don't have the same um belief that say i have on mm. on homosexuality and gay marriage you're a bad person like how do, how does that sit with you
2: yeah well you know i've i've had lots of conversations with people uh, in the in the last several years about this topic and you know i do like to try and avoid speaking publicly too much on this matter <laughs> because often people will take a little media grab or a little yeah. media bite and they'll take it out of context and go say, this is what Pastor Matt said, this is what he believes, you know. Mm. So I just want to choose my words very carefully here. Um, I'll I'll say a couple of things uh, on this topic that I think it's safe to say. So uh, without naming any names, you know, there's been friends of mine that have been wrestling with this, uh, with with their sexual identity for a number of years. And, They've come to me privately and asked advice and asked for questions and asked for prayer and all that, you know, and, and you know, I, I'm more than happy to sit down with someone and go through, you know, what the Bible says about these topics, right? But I don't just look at those scriptures and say, look, this is what it says. You have to do this, you know. That's what, you know, a lot of people think Christians um, are only ever talking about what they're against but not what they're for, you know. And you know, you, you talk, you, you think about the conservative Christians in America. They're very well known for what they're against. They're always talking about all the things that they're against, but they're not really known for what they're for. And mm. you know, you use the word love there, there, demo and and really, the Greek word agape, love, is the supernatural love that is the greatest message of Christianity. That the whole world will know we ha- we are his disciples if we have love for one another. That agape love, you know. So I'm always pointing to people. Towards the love of God more than anything, and you know when it comes to homosexuality, um, sure I will talk about it. Sure I will uh, go through those scriptures, but also explain. Look, there are other views of these scriptures. There are Mm. some people that believe this about this. Yeah, I was going to ask about about that. that. You know, Mm. and 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 I won't just always say, look, it's it's my way or the highway, Mm. Uh, because you know. I'm still only 47. If, if I, uh, I, I still remember when I first did Bible college at the age of 20, you know, I thought I knew everything then, you know, <laughs> and I think one day I might write a book, a few things I've learned since I knew everything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going on a journey. And, and you know, I, I obviously have my conservative worldview when it comes to that topic, um, but I don't ever want to come across as one of those turn or burn old school gospel preachers that is that is just you know, coming out with judgment, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um I and I and I'm trying trying to be respectful and, and, and loving in the way I have a conversation with about it. Yeah. With people about it.
1: It, I, I just think that's so powerful. And and that shutting down of conversation if you don't agree with something that because it matters so much to me, certainly doesn't just happen in church world. You mm-hmm. see it there sometimes, but um I, I think you see it in some of these other parts of, the, of society, you know, like um, my uh, my own family have had to navigate this um, with my daughter who came out a couple of years ago and uh, and one of the hardest things was uh, navigating our family and friends uh, still reasonably conservative in, in their Christian faith uh, and certainly on that issue, you know, would, would – lean more towards where you are than where I am these days. And um, a- and how do you know, nav- it's, one- it's easy for us to say, like we did just a minute ago, you know, oh, well, we- let's not let the fact that we disagree define us. You know, we can disagree and still love each other. But when it's a- an issue that for my daughter, for instance, um, she feels is-, is really about her identity and who she is as a person, Somebody who might say, well, I disagree with that thing, but I, my love for you is more important can still sometimes actually be quite hard. You know, It's like, well, am I prepared to continue on that journey of knowing and loving and living with somebody who the thing we disagree on goes right to the very core of something that I feel most passionate about or who I feel I am, and that becomes so much harder. And I just thought it's so ironic to hear. I can't remember the name of the organisation, and I'm not aware of them personally. Uh, and it doesn't sound like I would want to be on the wrong side of them. But but the organisation that was you know attacking you and your family um, after that TV moment um, have you know is something about love. <laughs> um, but again, in that particular instance, uh, and I don't want to say that your experience of that defines them by any way, but it just seems like, well, hang on. It's like, yes, it's about love, unless you disagree with us on this particular issue, in which case we can't love you. You know, we want you to love these people, but we can't love you. Uh, and and those those issues can be very challenging. I, and I think you turned talked um turn or burn just a second ago. And I was gonna head in that direction because I think another issue like that, one that I find really hard to navigate um, with my Christian conservative Christian friends um, is the idea that you know if somebody doesn't make a particular choice or decision or hold a particular belief, um, that they are going to go to hell forever. And there's all sorts of space around that. What is hell? You know, like we could talk about all the detail. Different people believe different things about what that means. But that's such a, a tough one to navigate. I find that really hard because. Cards on the table. I don't believe that anymore. I used to believe that. I spent far more of my forty-nine years on the planet so far believing that than not believing it. But I don't believe that anymore. And even to the extent that I, you know, I'm quite open on the podcast about the fact that I still kind of hesitantly call myself a Christian. Um, I, I don't hold that belief. And and as you mentioned, like not every Christian throughout history and across the planet uh, has held to that belief necessarily, um, but when I'm interacting with church world um, where that belief is still held, I find that really hard because it's it doesn't give you a lot of room to move, you know. It's like, well, how, how do you believe somebody's going to hell if they don't agree with you um, and not let that ultimately define your interaction with them? Mm.
2: Um, so I remember uh, first hearing about, Preachers talking about that there's no hell, probably, I don't know, maybe maybe about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, that they used the term universalism was one of the, the terms. And, and I remember learning about it, thinking, you know, from my conservative Christian bubble <laughs> that, I've, that I've been in for years, you know, I remember thinking, wow, how did they get that in the Bible? You know, like, because obviously the Bible mentions hell quite a number of times. And then I remember hearing, you know, some some guys talk about how, you know, Gehenna was a place outside of Jerusalem which was just burning all the time and that was the word for hell in the Bible and, and that was their explanation for it. And I thought, okay, well, it's it's good to understand that there are different people that have a different perspective on it, you know, um, and it's certainly different than the, you know, what I understand to be the 2,000-year history of of Christianity to. That's always believe that, and and so yeah, I've I've started to listen to a few different people that have shared that, and and you and I had a discussion about it, Shanky, when we put up the other day mm. too, and and you know, I, I guess it just comes back to one of those other things where, you know, you agree to disagree, um, and and I guess when it comes down to it too, uh, I, I think you know, as as someone who truly wants to love people and wants to, you know, see people come to know the truth of the gospel, you know, hell has been a big motivator for me mm. to, to preach people, to, preach to people because, you know, I mean, the scripture in Jude comes to mind. You want to snatch people from the fires of hell. Um, I, I, I know that some people think there's, there's no eternal damnation for hell, or even if it is just some kind of a, you know, place that exists on the earth that's like a hell either way i see our duty as christians to snatch people from whatever hell would be whatever their belief of hell should be and um and that's one thing i really felt to say to you the other day shanky when we caught up you know uh, i i know you have been one of the most influential christians in australia running easter fest and you know bringing out all those amazing bands and you know that Personally impacted me so much, you know, mm. and and I remember saying to you the other day, you know, even though um you've changed some of your beliefs in some of these things, it doesn't mean that your purpose has finished. You know, God, God still wants to use you to make an impact on people, and you know, and I, I'm sure some people are being impacted through this podcast. You know, it's, you're getting people thinking, you're getting people mm. searching and and wanting to 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 study these things and look into them a bit more. You know. You're nudging people to think more about their Christianity and what they believe. Um, so whether it be a, a literal hell or some other philosophical version of hell, I still believe it's our job to snatch people from those fires of hell because we've all got a purpose and and we've all got uh, something that we're called to do in this world to make it a better place.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, what you were saying before with like, you know, the... the suddenly you're putting up the, the soup kitchen for the homeless people. Like for someone who's in a homeless situation, you don't need to have some sort of eternal hell to worry about because the experience you're living in right now is a hellish experience. And if you can see that your you know, your purpose is to, well, I'm going to rescue people from that hellish experience for providing a soup kitchen, I think that is you know, a really honourable and, you know uh, again, you know using biblical ter- or Christian terms, a Christ-like thing to be doing, um, which I think is fantastic. Irrespective of again, you know, getting back to those bigger, broader, more <laughs> ethereal kind of ideas of afterlives and stuff like that.
1: And we could, I'm sure, that it's a whole oh. podcast episode just in that if we wanted to get exactly. our teeth into that. But it's not
0: so much again. It's not so much the the issues that I think no. are uh, you know. I mean, that and that's not why we wanted you on here, you know, tonight either, was to talk about you know, not to debate issues, but more so that sense of because what what I think you know. Um, people don't necessarily understand. It was really interesting because we had um, a couple of you know, episodes ago, um, friends of Dave, um, Steve and Carl, right, and they're a gay couple and Carl's actually the pastor of a church. And and one of the things Carl was talking about is kind of living in this, um, you know, a strange place where on one hand he's you know he's a Christian so he gets identified in that camp and he's also a homosexual and he gets identified in that camp. And so he has this degree of empathy between people on on both sides and yet at the same time almost feels as if he's also being uh, conflicted by people on both sides of those camps as well. And I think one of the things people struggle to understand um, is how intrinsic one's faith and belief system can be to yeah. one's experience of, of of life as well as much as what, say, someone's um, experience of their sexuality might be. So, you know, for example, um, a gay you know, homosexual um, might feel that, yes, if you've got your particular belief, you're essentially saying my identity as a human being is not valid mm. um, and you are dehumanising me because of that but i would uh, i'm putting it to you you probably feel a similar way against your your faith and beliefs that this is something so core to who you are as a as a human that being told that your system of you know your value system um is wrong or distorted or whatever um isn't something you can just flick a switch and change your mind on overnight would that be a fair thing to say
2: yeah yeah and you know I, i've had um and, and, you know, the thing for me, Dano, is I've been involved in so many different denominations over the years. I've learnt a lot from all the different ones I've been in. I was raised Anglican, then I was a Baptist, I was a, a Wesleyan Methodist, then a Pentecostal C3 guy, Vineyard Church, and now New Hope. So I've been in all these different denominations over the years, and I've seen they've all got slight differences, but they all have their, their basic conservative evangelical view. Um, But I just wanted to touch on something you just said about homosexuality and this is something I think you guys will find interesting. So uh, a few years ago I was really um, struggling to work out how to do this interview because I I I booked an interview with a guy named Sam Albury who was from the UK. He was a uh, Church of England minister and he'd been working with Ravi Zacharias for many years. Mm -hmm. So he's a very well-known apologist and very brilliant man and um, very conservative as well. And he has been same-sex attracted all his life but never acted on it. And so I was like, okay, all right, how does this fit into my Christian worldview? How do mm-hmm. I interview this guy, you know? And he was brilliant. He was fantastic. And And I think I asked him the question, something along the lines of, so do you think you were born? same-sex attracted or? And he said, well, that's that's really the wrong question to ask. He said, you know, I've just always had that attraction all my life and uh, in the same way people lean in other directions with, with things that uh, are, are issues in their life or concerns in their life and I've just chosen not to act on it. I've been celibate my whole life. And he said, Um, I don't like to be labelled as same-sex attracted uh, that's not my identity my identity is i'm a follower of jesus you know and and it really gave me a a uh, an appreciation for someone who thinks that way you know which is different to the way i think obviously but he thinks that way but he just has chosen not to act on it and so that was quite a revelation for me that he's an anglican church minister who's obviously wrestled with this all his life and he and that's just his choice that he's chosen to remain celibate so yeah i just Throw throw that that out to you guys. If you ever chatted to a girl like that, he'd be an interesting guy for your podcast, actually. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One
1: one of my closest friends in the world is probably uh, almost as evangelistic as you are, Matt, um, in his – just the way he's naturally wired and in his faith, his Christian faith. Um, And I know that, you know, he spends a lot of time on the streets, just, you know, out there with people. And again, same thing. Just wanting to love them, and then, yes, of course, hopeful that uh, that will lead to opportunities to share Jesus with them. Because for him, that's the most important thing. Uh, But uh, he said, often he gets asked, um, "Well, what do you think about people who are gay?" And he said, "I just won't engage with the question to start with." He said because if I answer that question at that point in our relationship, then my answer to that question. From that point forward will define our relationship. Um, so I'll just say to them, look, I'm happy to have that conversation with you eventually, but you know, like right now, I I don't want that to become the thing that defines our you know, brand new friendship. Uh, and yeah. I'd I'd rather focus on just loving you. Um, you know, tell me about you. And and just he just refuses to engage with the question that early in in a new friendship or a new relationship with somebody at risk of the answer. Becoming the defining thing about how they interact rather than what, as you've, very similar to how you've described it, I think, you know, he still has the same opinions largely about that issue, but he's just like, the issue is not, it's just not the, the issue is not the issue, (laughs) you know, like the person is the issue, my relationship with that person, my ability to love that person is so much more important to him than, uh than, you know, what his opinion is
0: on an issue. I want to steer the conversation in a different direction for a second because I think, you know, I mean, we, again, we could be talking about specific issues all the time, um, all night really, um, and possibly debating them. But <laughs> what I'm more interested in is how we do the debates, you know, and how we have the conversations um in a more loving and respectful way when – um, there are, I guess, different frameworks in, uh, of understanding the world um, to, to be wrestled with. So, for example, I'm assuming, right, as a, as a conservative evangelical pastor, you've got a framework that believes a certain, you know, um, ideas about what the Bible is and how that should be interpreted and what that means for for how we... Um, approach life and that's all well and good within a, a, a sphere of other people that have those beliefs to say okay we believe bible might be the literal inspired word of god and so we can just come to it and say well what does it say on this issue great that's what our our response will be um, but in a broader community sense not everybody's going to have that same sense of framework other people are going to say well that's great but i don't believe that about the bible at all i want to take more of a you know what is um say a a democracy like you might say well what do the majority of people think that will be our determination of what's right or wrong or you know uh, a scientist might say well what does the data say what is that after the empirical research how do we so my question is how do we have better conversations and how do we better work with each other when we come from such different base notes on what it is that defines truth for us
2: well well firstly i love the uh the point you raised about the bible because the, the truth is you know that there are some people that believe the bible is the word of god 100% all the way through from genesis to the maps in the end <laughs> I believe it's all inspired you know um and then there are some people that just believe the bible just contains the word of god and you can pick and choose which bits are inspired and you know and then of course there's all the different versions you know we've got the new version the message or some call it the massage version, you know. <laughs> uh, it, you've got the people that just love the King James, the old school, you know, and, and uh, they say if it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me, you know, the King James. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and 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 you're right that you know, as a conservative evangelical, that's how we frame our worldview. We, we we read the scriptures and we go, it says, it says this two or three times, so we create a doctrine out of it. But that's basically how we, we come up with with our beliefs. Uh, But there is also a lot of people who call themselves Christians as well today who actually have no understanding of what the Bible is all about. You know, so that's that's why for me it's very important to encourage people to to read it every day, to study it, and meditate on it. And and then also, uh, the Bible isn't just for personal private devotion; it's actually for public discussion. I believe that's why we. That's why. Podcasts like this are important, so we can talk about scriptures and different angles and different things, you know, and I'm sure things you guys believe now, you didn't believe two years ago and five years ago and Mm. ten years ago, you know, we're all at different levels of things, you know. Um, But when it comes to having a discussion with people who don't have that same worldview as the Bible, you know, so I've learned to uh, be a little more... Careful in the way that I talk to unchurched people, for example, or or even when I'm talking on the radio, for example. I try not to use Christianese. I try not to say the Bible says this, and that's why you have to do it because it's the Bible says you know. Um, and and so that's for me personally. That's why I like to use the power of stories. Um, I love to tell stories. That's like the the podcast I do, History Makers, is just asking people, tell me your story, tell me what you believe, tell me how you got to where you are in life, um, and I think. When it comes to people you know, sitting around, say for example a bunch of, you know, 10 people are sitting around a dinner party and you know, you've got half of them are on the left, half of them are on the right politically, So, for example, you know. Um, you, you know you're going to agree to disagree on things but like we were saying before you shouldn't let that divide you. You shouldn't let that uh, be, you shouldn't become that opposing person. I, I, I think Particularly with social media, um, with the uh, uh, all the hot topics in the in the world today, people think they have to win an argument mm-hmm. all the time and prove things right. And and my concern is that there are a lot of Christians in in co- the conservative evangelical world that I live in that are constantly trying to argue with people and prove from the Bible that this is this is the way you have to live. And if you don't, it's my way or the highway, you know. And I just don't think you're ever gonna argue anybody into christianity or you're ever going to argue anybody to your side of mm. of um of what what you believe mm. um so i think you know we just need to come our farm take a chill pill, <laughs> um, tell some stories um ask some questions uh be patient when we're talking to people as well um i, I know i've been uh guilty in the past of Having an agenda every time I talk to someone, I want mm. I've got to convince them to believe what yep. I believe and mm-hmm. you know and and you know what if I, I and I said this to shanky the other day, if God wants to save someone or um, give a revelation to someone, he will do it because he is sovereign. he is all-powerful. He might use me to speak into their lives, but i I can't I can't. Uh, assume that I'm the only one that's going to save people. He's he's actually way better at saving people than I am. So when I speak to someone I just try to be patient, be a good listener, ask questions and tell stories and and be relatable to someone and if God does something in their life awesome, I want that to happen. Mm. But it, but if he doesn't, I'm I'm not going to you know keep preaching at them till I'm blue in the face to try and convince them to believe what I believe, you know mm, what I mean? Mm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah I, I, I feel like, you know, when I do manage make the mistake of getting dragged into those conversations on Facebook, it's uh, one of the things I try really hard to do, and it can be really hard sometimes, you know, sometimes somebody can believe something that is so at odds with what you believe, you know, and I've experienced this both now and years ago when I believed a whole lot of different things to, to where I've landed these days. Um, that it it can be really hard to give somebody the benefit of the doubt when the thing that they believe is so far removed from what you believe. It's kind of hard to actually understand how they could have gotten there. I, I feel I I try to approach those conversations when I have them um, from a place of, of of assuming that the person I'm talking to is neither stupid um, nor malicious. You know that they're not stupid. that that they are genuinely seeking truth for themselves. That they're not just you know trying. You know, I know when you go from conservative Christian to not, there's definitely at times a, a little bit of a oh, You just you just wanted to be able to get away with some things that you couldn't get away with. You know, you, just, you wanted to be allowed to sin, or you wanted you know, to, and you know, there's this kind of like oh, you don't really believe that. You just Prefer it gives you license to live the way you want to live, uh, which is incredibly insulting, right? Like it's, or, or it's, or the other assumption can be, well, you're just stupid, you know, like you're just not an intelligent person, or it can be you're intentionally trying to twist the facts to suit your agenda. And I, I just prefer to approach those conversations with people who disagree with me and who I may not understand how they can believe what they believe, but to start from the premise that they are genuinely seeking truth, that they're not stupid and that they're not just, you know, like intentionally twisting the truth to suit their agenda, that this is where a person who as much wants the truth as I do, who's just as committed to seeking it out and, and uh, and intelligent as I am, and uh which may not be saying much, but as intelligent as an intelligent person is uh, and uh, and not intentionally being malicious, um, and that somehow they have arrived at a completely different conclusion to me. so maybe they've seen different facts to the ones I've seen, uh, maybe their context context has caused them to interpret those facts differently, but whatever's going on, it's genuine uh and and look occasionally. I'm sure there are exceptions to those rules, <laughs> um, and and they may not be true. But I just think that to start with that assumption just puts you in so much of a better place to go. Okay, I don't understand how you got here, but I'm not going to dismiss you. You know, and yep, I could um, I, I can find you know this theologian over here who has a completely different interpretation of the Bible on universalism or um, you know homosexuality. Um, to this other person, and it's actually possible that both of those people um, are both intelligent, doing the work, um, e- genuinely seeking truth, and have arrived at two completely different conclusions.
2: Thank mm. guys. Can I just say, too, I, I also find it fascinating that, um, like, Chenki, you and I chatted the other day a, a bit about the word deconstruction, mm. and there's a lot of, Christians, you know, I've been, I've just, I see the word come up. It's very trendy right now. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of pastors, you know, and and authors that have deconstructed them. And there was a book uh, my wife read called uh, Beyond Doubt from a guy named AJ Sabota. And he made the comment that, you know, when people are deconstructing or have deconstructed, he said, conservative Christians, you shouldn't write them off. You shouldn't, you shouldn't just say, oh, that, that's part of the great apostasy, or that's the great falling away. That's predicted in the end times. You know, shun them. You know, you, you should you shouldn't do that. You know, you you should love them and care for them. And because you know, some of them will reconstruct as well. Sometimes when you deconstruct, you do have to reconstruct again. You know, um, but some of them won't. Either way, you still got to love them and and treat them like human beings. You know, like. You know, this this is what cults do, isn't it? When someone leaves the cult, they shun them, mm-hmm. and they, they reject them, and mm. they write them off. And you know, that's I don't believe that's what a follower of Jesus should do. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, if, if there's someone that you believe has genuinely fallen away from God, the Bible says to restore them gently, um, but still restore them gently. That's an important thing to say, you know. Um, but you know, for, for this for the purpose of this discussion. Mm. You guys have just changed your beliefs on a few key things in Christianity in in the last few years, and you know I, I don't. You, you still believe in a lot of the basics of what we believe. You've just got a few different areas we disagree on. That shouldn't be something that should mean I should shun you and never talk to you again. Mm. Uh, you know, let's keep the conversation going. I reckon. Yeah, and I think
0: it's really interesting. I mean, and kind of elaborating on what Dave was saying before, because I think there's a trap that we all fall into. Where we become very arrogant in our own positions, in our own reasoning, you know, I, I kind of think, you know, like it's oh, on one hand, and you know, because I would have used this language myself, I think, when I was younger, this arrogant idea that as a you know hyper conservative evangelical Christian, this idea that oh, when other, when God shows other people what he showed me, then they'll understand. And having this idea that I'm, I've am i been shown something by God and that's why I know better than somebody else. And, for example, on the other side, you might have um, the very analytical scientific-minded person who goes, well, these Christians, if they just understood the science, they'd realise that and mm. it's because I've understood the science, I'm intelligent that, you know, and I think that's what Dave was kind of hinting at before, that we seem to have this arrogance that, our reasoning or our our base um, understanding for why we believe what we believe we somehow perceive as being better than the, than the other people, and if they just saw what we saw, well, you know, mm. they they would have it our way.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. You know, it's actually easy. You, you can fall into the trap of thinking of deconstruction when you're on a journey that might be labelled that. And I hate that label, to be honest. Uh, like I've done everything in our power to not make this a Christian deconstruction podcast, you know, like even though in, in some ways it kind of has been. But but like it's it's easy to fall into the trap of kind of thinking of this thing as, as like a journey, like a spectrum, right? It's like, well, I'm over here. And I'll just keep loving those people who haven't arrived where I've arrived yet. And, and you're right. There's a, a deeply inherent arrogance in that. At the same time, I know that for me, um, one of the um, American preachers who I still quite enjoy sometimes and really found uh, some solace in his preaching um, during some of the last few years is a guy called Brian Zand. And uh, he posted on Twitter uh, uh, something a lot like what you're kind of saying, you know, Matt, which is you know like deconstruction, you know, tearing down the stuff that's that might be broken in what you used to believe doesn't have to result in the complete demolition mm. of everything you believed, you know. But I, I responded to him on Twitter and I said that's that I understand what you're saying, and I think certainly for some people at least, and at the moment it's still where I am. Um, you can potentially arrive at a place where there's a there's a version of Christianity that that tradition can still be the basis of where you are at, and and some things have changed. Um, but I know that during that process, it was it was really important for me to give myself permission to end up deconstruction deconstructing to the point where nothing was left of my Christianity at all. Because I felt like if I didn't give myself permission to, to end up there, that I would potentially just a few years later just kind of like I will go through it all over again, you know, because I, I had kind of like, well, i I'm only willing to go to this point, you know. And in the end, I didn't quite end up demolishing it completely. And uh, in, you might say that in some ways uh, the journey I'm on right now is one of reconstruction. But again, I, I can't afford to allow that to be come under the pressure of reconstructing back to what Matt Prada thinks it should be, or what my mum thinks it should be. Right? Like, uh, yes, I probably am in a trying to work out how to reconstruct something where my the Christian tradition that has been my tradition can still be the basis of my spirituality in a way that works for me now. Um, but the end result of that probably still won't quite satisfy Matt Prada, <laughs> you know, or my mum <laughs> to be fair um it, and and you know i like, I just think that that's important too, um, that we don't just keep loving people or you know, the conservative Christian should not just keep loving the deconstructing Christian because it might mean that they end up back where we think they should be, but that we keep loving them because we want to love them and and understand that they may well land at atheism you know and I know I've heard other extremely deconstructed completely deconstructed christians um talk about the fact that it you know it really is just a matter of time anyone who's deconstructing they might be here now but the ultimate end result of every person who deconstructs is atheism mm. and i think that's rubbish um I, I know some people who have deconstructed pretty solidly on some things that most of my conservative Christian friends would disagree with them on and yet they have a deep rich Christian faith um and and have landed at a different looking Christian faith maybe a more liberal looking Christian faith um but have landed there pretty solidly and there's not much sign that they're kind of gonna just keep on down the journey until they don't believe in God anymore you know I, I think Part of loving people is accepting that they might not end up where you think they should or where you did, uh, and that's that's tough. I mean, it's a particularly tough if you believe that it's possible that that might uh, affect their eternal outcomes.
2: Mm. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think, um, Dave, when we were chatting about it the other day, uh, it it did get me thinking as well, you know. Like, I I hope, you know, I hope I'm not one of those guys that comes across as, you know, I'll I'll be your friend, so that you'll come back and believe what I believe. Mm. <laughs> that, that, that's 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 not, you know. I I think when I was raising that point, I was trying to make the point that you shouldn't write people off, yeah, just because they disagree with you. Yeah, hundred um, percent. If they choose to come back and believe what you believe all well and good, but if they don't, you still love them and you're yeah. with them anyway, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, Because totally. they're a different being. And, and you know, we, we, this this is something that I believe is core to the, the Christian faith is that everyone is made in the image of God. Um, mm. Imago Deo, I think it's pronounced. Everyone, you know, God created every person on this, this, this planet and every person deserves respect and love mm. regardless of how they live their life. Um, every person should be um should be loved. And, and and that, you know, comes back to that Agape love that I talked about, that supernatural love from God. And I just wanted to um just share with you this story, guys. Um I know we haven't got all night, but I just wanted to share this story with yeah. you because it's one of my favorite stories and it helps me helps me explain what what I believe uh, in the way that we should be relating to people, you know. So there was a couple who um at our soup kitchen asked me to do their Their wedding so did their wedding and there was about 20 or 30 homeless people and real just you know sad sad stories in these people's lives you know anyway they asked me to go down to the pub in fortitude valley and um say a grace at the reception so Hmm. i was down there and got up and said this prayer and and then as soon as i finished this prayer this lady stood next to me and she said, Father, can I confess my sins? <laughs> so I said, yes, my daughter. <laughs> and I just thought I might as well go with it, you know. Yeah. So, Went in Rome. So I, you know, I'm not a Catholic priest, but I thought I would go. You know. So anyway, she just started telling me all these things that she'd done. And, and so I prayed with her and, and she gave her heart to Jesus and it was a beautiful moment. Then there was another lady behind her to do the same thing. Oh, no. <laughs> and then another, in other words, literally like seven people all afternoon lined up to confess their sins to the priest, you know, like I <laughs> thought I was a priest. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I'm making light of it, but, you know, I actually rang my wife and I said, honey, I know I'm meant to be at this family thing this afternoon, but there's all these people here who wanted to confess their sins to me. <laughs> and, and she just said this line to me, guys, she said, honey, you stay there because that's what Jesus would be doing. Mm-hmm. He'd be at a pub in Fortitude Valley talking to people, praying with people, loving people, caring for people, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting back to the deconstruction thing, um, I think many churches and much of mainstream Christianity today, much of evangelical Christianity, conservative Christian world, Um, is full of churchianity Mm -hmm. and Christianese and traditions of men that have just made all these mega churches and, you know, skinny jeans and smoke machines and big screens (laughs) and all, you know, And, and there's all this trendy kind of Christianity that's got all this, you know, bells and whistles, you know, and God bless them. They're my brothers and sisters. I love them. God bless them, you know. but. Really, what was Jesus all about? Jesus cared for the last, the least, and the lost. We're coming back to this again. He he cared for the down and out, the leper, the prostitute, the the tax collector, the rejects of society. And mm. and I think if there's any kind of deconstruction that needs to go on in Christianity, it's that we need to stop putting on a show and we need to get our hands dirty and, and care for people the way Jesus did. Mm. And you know the other story I told you, Dave, the other day that just came back to me was, you know, Pastor Greg Laurie shared a story that he was at a restaurant with a couple of pastors and they were arguing about theology, and the other pastor that was with him um, just said to the waiter, "You know, there's a God in heaven that loves you," and the waiter just broke down in tears and was like blown away, and and he led that waiter to the Lord and he said, "That's what the church is like." half of the church is arguing about theology and the other half is actually getting out and doing what Jesus told them to do and loving people you know mm. and i don't mind a good discussion about theology i don't mind discussing all these topics and and all this but in the end are we doing what we're meant to be doing as followers of Jesus are we living the life we're meant to live that's that's the core message that i'm sharing at my soup kitchen and at my church and and, and in, in my radio interviews and things that I do is because, you know, if 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 we just talk the talk and we're hypocrites, then we're a very bad witness. Mm. We've got to talk the talk and walk the walk. We've got to get out there and do the stuff that Jesus did. Yeah. And, and if anything needs to be deconstructed and reconstructed, I, I reckon that's what needs to be deconstruct and get rid of all that religious mumbo-jumbo and get down and just be followers of Jesus. That's that's my message, guys. Yeah,
1: well, I can't think of a better place to wrap that up, but yeah, uh, no. I'm not going to start confessing my sins to you because the podcast <laughs> definitely can't go that long. So,
0: yeah, but absolutely, and I think that's, at the end of the day, that's a great base note for us all to come back to is that idea, that, you know what, we we just hit to love, you yeah. know, and that's, yeah. Um, I think, Irrespective, I think, at this point of to what your own personal you know, theological perspectives are. If you're out there doing the best that you can to love other people, mm.
1: you're probably fulfilling whatever gospel it is you're believing in anyway to some degree. Yeah. No, and and at that point, who's got time to be arguing about the doctrines, right? <laughs> so, yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. Well, One thanks. of my favorite quotes is major on the major things and minor on the minor things. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, the major things is love, like you said, boys. So, yeah, love you, boys. It's brilliant, thanks Matt. Having. Thanks so much Thank for you your so time, much. mate.
0: Talk soon. <laughs> All the best. Cheers, mate.
1: Thank you.